Hello, it's Monday. What a Monday it is after the big MAGA march, which was fantastic. Just so happy to see all of these people out. Uh, unfortunately, there was violence. The media. There wasn't a million people, and the ones that were there, they were violent. Uh, no, they actually weren't, but there was violence. We talk about it today. And kind of got into a little uh, tiff, I guess, with some of the listeners who uh, think I'm wrong about violence and the use of violence. I don't know. You decide. Also, uh, I set Stu off today. You're welcome, America. Had him talk a little bit about Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> that's all uh, you have to really say is yeah. Andrew Cuomo, and that sets me off. What Andrew Cuomo's doing in New York now, I mean, as you said on the air, Stu, I didn't think he could make things worse. Hmm. He just has. Yep. He just has. We have that. Also, Alan Dershowitz talks about the path to victory for Donald Trump, which was shocking to me. Absolutely shocking. I think you'll be shocked as well. All that and more on today's podcast. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. Save 30 bucks off your subscription for a limited time. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Have you been reading up in the Dominion software stuff? Yeah, I've heard some of it. Uh, uh, again, it'll be interesting to see what they can come up with. You know, know it's 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 a, it's a tough road, but I think they're going to do everything they can, and they luckily have lots of resources to do it. I keep reading that everything's been debunked with Dominion software. It's yeah. all completely and thoroughly debunked. Uh-huh. And yet I haven't seen any demo- debunking will you, about it. Will you do me a favor? Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I want you to go to uh, the Dominion Wikipedia page. Ooh. Dominion Wikipedia. And just look for the right. uh, the recent changes. Okay. Um, here's what I find interesting. Uh, the The stuff that has removed... Uh, or has been changed all in just let me see if i can go for the next uh 100 um there are what is that okay so there's at least 75 there's look at this this is all the changes just uh in november look at this november 16th all of these changes were made to their page deleting stuff do you see this there's got to be 75 Mm. changes that have been uh that have been uh made and uh the american thinker has come out with some uh some things where they were at the page before things were deleted for instance uh the origins of dominion in venezuela and with cuba gone now um if you look at the you look at the things that have been deleted and a lot of them. I mean, this is all coming from the left editing out. I mean, Wikipedia is is bogus. But all of a sudden there was this great interest to make sure that some of this stuff didn't appear on uh, Wikipedia at all. Yeah, one of the interesting things about the Dominion thing, I think, is that it was really the left who, who were pushing that for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, 2019. Yeah. yeah and so last year yeah, they were so saying that. here's the problem. Here's the problem. If you if you tweet right now that uh, just that story 
that the Democrats were all over it, you will be flagged by Twitter. Oh my gosh. That this is in dispute. It's unreal. Excuse me. <laughs> this is the video of the Democrats saying that. Jeez. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. By the way, that's why we're switching over to uh, Parler. Uh, I'm, I just uh, started an account. Apparently, there's several Glenn Becks. Uh, on yeah. parlor i've been saying all sorts of stuff under your name yeah, for a while over there <laughs> yeah there was, people hate you i saw one uh somebody <laughs> sent one to me and said uh uh you 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 effing trump supporters just need to it was like so clearly not me mm. uh but people were like is this glenn beck is he drinking again <laughs> the answer to that one is I wish. Oh, they had you say you, yeah. you yelling at you effing yelling. Trump supporters. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, supporters? yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's, oh. that's an odd. That would be yeah, an odd choice. Be an for odd you. choice. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, uh, we're over there, and I'm going to take a. Uh, we're just going to take a random selection of anybody who signs up today and comes over to Parlor and uh, follows me on Parlor. Uh, you'll get one of two three-year subscriptions to Blaze TV. Three years. Oh, okay. Three cool. years. That's great. It's a prison sentence when I tell you that Stu is on that program. Yeah, he's on Blaze TV. <laughs> so is Pat Gray Unleashed, by the way, which is yeah. like a lessening of that prison sentence, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, I would. So yeah, you two are I ganging would, up yeah. against me on this one. Yep, got yep, it. you okay. got it. You got it. Uh, so, Pat, what is uh, what is in your pipe that you want to smoke? Uh, I'm trying not to smoke anymore. Uh, I've been doing too much of that. Right. I, you know, like you, I was uh, talking uh, extensively today about the Million Man March that wasn't a million people. <laughs> they were nowhere near a million people. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> you, you remember the Million Man March that had about 18 people? <laughs> Nobody oh, said it man. then. Uh, but the violence that was perpetrated, because all day long, the Trump supporters were completely peaceful. What were they doing? They were singing songs and waving flags, and they were having a good time, and they were getting along with each other. And then as soon as the evening came and the Antifa people and the BLM people came out and started sucker punching uh and going after moms who were pushing their kids in strollers and... I, it was incredible, incredible, just unbelievable to me how, and nobody cares. CNN's not covering that. No. MSNBC's not covering that. It just didn't happen according to them. That is the greatest. That is the greatest thing. They really, truly believe if they don't publish it, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. And in and some cases, it's kind of true. It is true now that they have control of social media. Yeah. Now that social media is, is controlling things. Yeah, did you see that? Uh, there is a new uh, poll out that shows people who voted for Biden when they're informed about the questions of Biden and Hunter uh, in China say they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. You see that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if that's not election fraud, yeah, I don't know what is. I mean, how do we? How do you possibly fight things? I, I don't honestly. I don't know. Where to post truth? I can't yeah. go to Fox News. Did you see the Fox News reporter this weekend that we have was that. going wanna, after? Yeah, can we play that. this? This is yeah. amazing. What do you want to have happen with those seven hundred thousand votes? The ballots are already. This mixed is the in. Fox reporter. You just want seven hundred thousand votes deducted from, from Biden's sure total. That conversation happens. 
You're trying to say this is done and over. The media I'm not. I'm, a, this I'm not done and, done and over. I'm but asking where you're going to find the votes to pull ahead. Where are the votes to pull ahead? Forward. The, this is now my third time to try to get this answer out. The legal path ahead exists here because there are clear constitutional violations that ahead. Keep laughing. Keep snarking. Oh, so, making so your hands and rolling Aaron, your Aaron, eyes, Aaron, Leland. Take me through. I get it. I get what it. You guys spent Aaron, years trying to run up a Russia hoax against very, the It's very simple. I try and Stop. I can't listen happen. anymore. I mean, uh, that's every bit a CNN interview. It is. Every bit Fox of CNN. is gone. Yeah. If you are still listening to Fox... I mean, honestly, the only place I can go now on on TV is us, Newsmax. I mean, I just I use us. I don't know who else to go to that I feel like really will tell the truth, even if I don't like it. I, I mean, where do you go? There is no here. there's no place to watch. Yeah, you except here. here. Yeah, except here. And, and, and where are the votes going to come from? To answer Leland's question, who I've never seen before, uh, I don't know who that guy is. Are you familiar with him? No, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen him. No, anyway. I stopped watching Fox though. Like, yeah, I did too. Two years ago, three uh, years ago. But in answer to his question of where the Trump votes are going to come from, they're going to come from like vote switching. If that did happen with the Dominion machines, they're going to come from dead people not voting. They're going to come from people not voting twice or twenty times or thirty times. That's that's where the Trump votes come from. I think the Dominion thing is really interesting. Did you see, by the way, I was with Barry Loudermilk on uh, Friday, and uh, we were talking about what's happening in Georgia. He's a senator from Georgia. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about what's happening in Georgia. And he said the, the AG in Georgia is out of control. He's a Republican, but has been negotiating with Democrats without consulting the Republicans at all. Mm. And... Uh, he said uh, there was a report before the election, like a week before or two weeks before the election, from door knockers uh, for Trump up in these very, very Democratic areas in Pennsylvania. And they were going door to door and they were talking about Trump. And this Democratic area has now become very pro-Trump. And so it's a lot of people who are on the Democratic rolls. Mm -hmm. uh, but now are voting for Donald Trump. And uh, they were told in several by several houses that they were getting calls from the Democratic Party telling them they were going to send them a Georgia ballot that they could vote in Georgia. And they were like, no, but I've never been to Georgia. I don't live in Georgia. I've never. And they were like, no, it's OK now. You can. We're going to send it to <laughs> you. Okay you can vote now. OK. <laughs> Now, okay. so this was this was reported to the attorney general of uh, or the secretary, the secretary of state, I think, of Georgia. Yeah. And um, he didn't investigate it. Not a single. According to all the people underneath him, Jeez. he didn't even make a phone call to follow up. And Loudermilk himself, I believe, was one of them that reported it and uh, said, you know, you got to at least check into it. Well, he didn't he didn't make a single phone call. Nothing, according to all the people involved and people in his office. He may be forced to resign for dereliction of duty. We don't know if that happened. Right. But you had but a you serious look into it. you have a serious crime reported before the election and you did nothing. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Latterman was in the House, by the way, not, not a Senate. Oh, he's in the House. Mm -hmm. Did you also see that we've I mean, speaking of the House. 
we have it looks like we're going to have a net gain of uh well Republicans are going to have a net gain of 10 congressmen. Yeah. It looks like at least. Yeah, I mean it's at least. this is what's I mean look and a lot of people are bringing this up is like this is one of the things I think that people are questioning on the whole fraud thing because mm. the republicans did really well in this they election really like well. much better than expected overall yeah yeah uh, it looks like democrats are going to have potentially the smallest house margin uh since like world war ii uh, when it comes to uh, uh you know this this scenario this type of uh, scenario where they're i mean yeah. when you win and uh, when you knock out an incumbent president if that's wind up winds up uh, being what happens here that you usually have a big margin. I mean, look at Obama mm-hmm. came in with this massive margin, right? Control of the House and the Senate and 60 senators. Remember this? Yeah. Like this, we are mm-hmm. in a totally different world. I mean, the, the, as much as the Democrats want to say that the American people are with them, the American people keep saying over and over again. No, we're not. No, we're not. Yeah, but here's the, here's the again, the problem that I have is you're telling me that Joe Biden got how many millions of votes more than Barack Obama did? In 08? Well, that would be consistent with a very high-intensity election on both sides. Do you remember 08? That was a, I know, but that was a high intensity. It was a watershed. It, it was. you know, And again, there was the same type of thing where, where John McCain had very little uh, momentum behind him or very little interest. And, and I think the same is true with Biden. I think, though, the, that Donald Trump, after four years, is very much a part of everyone's life. Everyone has a strong opinion on him. Yeah. And so like, I think the, the motivation for the left to come out in droves... Mm was to get him out of office. I mean, they're burning down cities over the guy. Uh, you know, they, know, they had a lot of passion to yeah. get him out of office. And those don't uh, usually look to me like the ones who go and vote, though. It's not like they take off their mask and like, I'm going to be a responsible citizen now. <laughs> Incredibly well organized. Yeah, though, no, Glenn. they are. And then remember, it's not just Antifa members burning down cities. Yeah, these are this had, had gone much, much more widespread. And remember, there were massive riots and rallies before the city started burning down. I want to leave you with one thing. Um, AT&T reportedly is shopping CNN. Uh, <laughs> selling at the high point, I guess. Selling it. Yeah. Uh. yeah, they like to buy high, sell low. Mm. Uh, so it looks like, and one of the, one of the investors, uh, somebody who they're targeting, Jeff Bezos of the Washington Post. Oh, that's going to... So things aren't going to get better. It's going to get more fair. (laughs) Things are not going to get better. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Mr. Alan Dershowitz joins us now. He is a professor emeritus of Harvard Law School and a host of The Dersh Show, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Alan Dershowitz, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Uh, so tell me what your thoughts are on the election and how it's being, uh, how it's being handled right now. Well, there are two kinds of lawsuits. There are the wholesale and the retail. The wholesale is reflected in the Pennsylvania case, where you have a legal challenge, a crystal clear legal challenge. The legislature said that ballots that are submitted before Election Day have to be received before the end of Election Day. The courts said no. There are three extra days. The Constitution says Only the legislature can make those decisions, not the courts. So that's a clean, clear, wholesale constitutional issue. 
that the Supreme Court could resolve in, in a week. Uh, the case has already been filed in the Supreme Court. It just has to be refiled. And I think this Supreme Court would probably rule in favor of President Trump on that issue. So wait, 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 wait. How, how, does, how did, would somebody rule against? The Constitution is clear. It's the legislature. And they didn't the Supreme Court already rule in another case uh, that the legislature had to do it and, and not the uh, state officials? Yeah, in Bush versus Gore, they kind of suggested that. And uh, there was a four to four vote previously on the Pennsylvania case. And Justice Alito um, asked, demanded that the votes that came in late after the close of Election Day had to be segregated, strongly implying that the court would rule in that direction. Look, there is a legal argument on the other side. The legal argument would go something like this. Of course, the Constitution says the legislature has to do it, but traditionally courts interpret legislation. The answer to that is this wasn't really an interpretation. This was an expansion in light of COVID, and probably the court would rule that that expansion would have to come from the legislative, not the judicial branch. But the question is, does that get him enough votes? Right now, it seems like he may be as much as 60,000 votes behind. So the number of disputed ballots under this particular law has to exceed 60,000 before it could turn around the election. Now, if you combine that wholesale attack with some retail attacks, by retail I mean, you know, a few fraudulent ballots here and there, dead people voting, people who moved out of the state voting, you could conceivably get to a point where the Pennsylvania vote would go the other way. Now, you'd need more than that, because the goal of the Trump legal team is not to give Trump 270 votes. That's out of the question. The goal is to keep Biden from getting 270 so that the election is thrown into the House of Representatives. The way to stop Biden from getting 270, according to the legal team, would be to have challenges in enough states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, maybe Arizona, Nevada, to bring him from 305 to 268, 267. If he doesn't get 270, it goes to the House, and the House votes by delegation. That is, each state gets one vote, and there are now more Republican delegations than there are Democratic delegations. So that's the theory. I'm not saying I'm advocating it. I'm not saying I think it will win. I'm just telling you that's the only route to victory at this point that I can see. Wow. So, so, Alan, you're saying that the, the Trump legal team says that th their theory is they cannot get to 270 electoral votes? I'm just speculating. I don't see how they could get affirmatively to 270, but they don't need it. All they need is to stop Biden from getting 270. That's the key. That's what happened in 1824 in the Andrew Jackson, John Quincy Adams matter. It's what happened essentially when we had the Tilden Hayes dispute. There are three instances in the 19th century where something like this happened. And then, of course, if you follow through the Jackson Adams 1824, what happens? Jackson loses that, even though he won the popular and the electoral vote. And then for the next four years, he campaigned against, quote, the corrupt bargain. And he wins in 1828 and serves for eight years. So let me uh, let me go over this again with you so uh he just needs to bring 
uh, uh, Biden down to 269 even. Right. Uh, right. And then it goes to the House and the House, they use delegations. It's not just a straight vote. So how is that? How is that selected? What does that mean? Every delegation, say, take uh, Georgia. Uh, it may have, I don't know, 18, 12, 13, whatever members of Congress. If there are more Republican members of Congress from Georgia than, Demo- than Democrats, then the state gets to cast its vote for the Republican candidate. And the vote all it needs is 51 states. Uh, so if you win 51, 49 uh, uh, in the House of Representatives, um, then, or in that case, it would be in the House of Representatives. No, you'd have 50 states, so you'd have to win 26 votes. And huh. if you get 26 votes, you elect the president. And that happened in the past. Thomas Jefferson was elected by the House of Representatives, not by the Electoral College. How, how, how do you stop, I mean, how did they stop civil war at that point? <laughs> the Constitution doesn't provide for that. In fact, we had a civil war. In 1860, because the Constitution didn't provide for that, I would hope good sense, common sense, would prevail, and neither side would resort to arms. But I suspect that if you had that situation, there would be some violence. I, I, I have yeah. no doubt about that. Uh, Alan, if they, you say they to try to lower Biden from 306 to say 269. Those electoral votes then don't. Where would what would happen to those? If you're saying they're not affirmatively going to get Trump over two sixty or two seventy, what happens to those electoral votes? The electoral college becomes irrelevant. Uh, the Constitution puts the electoral college aside and says we now have it in the House of Representatives. So the electoral college vote is a null and void. Okay. Wow. Okay. So hang on just a second. But those cases. Wouldn't they be decided? I mean, during Bush uh, v. Gore, uh, the the Supreme Court made decisive moves that that really sewed it up before the uh, the state the states had to send their electoral college. Yep. Had they not done that, had the Supreme Court deferred its decision, the case might have gone, the matter might have gone to the House of Representatives because neither candidate would have gotten 270. And that's what happened in the three 19th century elections that I referred to, actually four, Jefferson as well, that no candidate. Remember in those days, you'd have four or five candidates running. In 1824, you had Henry Clay, you had somebody else, you had, so I think there were five candidates and they divided the electoral vote. Jackson got the most votes, but he didn't get half. According to the Constitution, you need a clear majority. If you don't get a clear majority, it goes to the House. Uh, so one, one more on this. So if the courts, it, it behooves, if you want this, and I think this would be really uh, a powder keg uh, that I wouldn't oh, yeah. want to see no, lit. No doubt. No um, doubt. But if you wanted this to happen, it would behoove you then to... Uh, uh, file late or to keep the courts somehow or another tied up? Is that right? Because after what, the 13th of December, are you saying that yeah. then it just automatically triggers? You don't have to file late. Remember, the wholesale suits can be decided on legal principles without a trial. But if you claim there were 10,000 invalid ballots, or if you follow um, what uh, Sidney Powell said yesterday on Fox News, and you challenge the computer 
saying the computers turned many votes that were supposed to be for Trump to Biden. That's the argument. If you make that argument, you have to prove it. So that's an evidentiary argument, and that requires a trial. And if the court set down for trial uh, all the challenged ballots in four or five states, you might accomplish that purpose because you couldn't have a trial and a result oh probably between now and mid-December. So, so you don't have to delay. All you have to do is ask for a trial. And, and under the Seventh Amendment to the Constitution, you have a right to trial by jury in any cases that were tried by jury at common law. So it becomes very complicated. Look, if I were teaching at Harvard now, again, I stopped teaching five years ago, I retired, uh, I would be teaching an entire seminar on this election. It raises so many intriguing constitutional questions. I'm not advocating any particular result. I'm just giving you my constitutional analysis. The, the odds you think this might happen? Very low. You'd need a perfect storm. You'd need enough states where there were enough challenges to make the difference and so that the courts would refuse or the secretaries of state, some of which are Republican, would refuse to certify the votes so that the electors could be chosen. It would require a perfect storm of both judicial, electoral and political considerations to come together. And the odds are very low, but it's the only possible road that President Trump has to victory, and it's a very unlikely one, hmm. which is, leads me to believe that he should. I'm not suggesting he secede or concede. I'm not suggesting that he stop his challenges, but I am strongly suggesting that he allow cooperation with the transition team because the likely outcome is going to be President Biden on January 20th. And if that is likely, there's no good reason why the transition can't go forward while the challenges are still being made and no concession is offered. The media says that, you know, once they call an election, they call an election, but they don't call it. Yeah, they don't call the election. There's (laughs) this is just a Biden is not officially the president elect until and unless enough states certify the election result or the other candidate concedes uh, you don't get a president elect through cnn or through fox right or through msnbc you get a presumptive president you call it what you want but it's a media term legally the president elect is picked only when those two circumstances are met that is sufficient state certify or the other side concedes neither of those things has happened yet and when you uh, when you look at what the media is also saying about this is uh, this is, you know, unheard of that we don't do things like this in America, we've done we've asked for recounts and we have challenged elections, not necessarily in the uh, the, the modern era uh, or the late modern era as much as we did in the first hundred hundred and fifty years. Right. That's right. But we have also Bush versus Gore was a direct challenge. Look, I don't condemn the lawyers for doing this. I got an email the other day asking me to sign a petition to disbar the lawyers who are raising these issues. Just nonsense. You know, people wanted to disbar me because I defended President Trump on the floor of the United States Senate. Uh, You don't disbar lawyers for doing their job. I don't condemn the lawyers who are raising these arguments. They may lose. They may win. 
uh, even I've lost some cases. You know, that's what happens. You don't always win your cases. Uh, you try your best to win. Look, every day I've been dealing with this complicated issue on my show, The Dirt Show, and I've been getting these intriguing calls from people coming up with interesting ideas uh, for how to deal with this from both sides of the aisle, from the Democratic side and the Republican side. And it's a, you know, it's a fascinating issue. I think in the end, the victories that Trump receives will be Pyrrhic victories. He'll receive some victories, Pennsylvania, maybe other places, but they probably won't be enough to stop um, Vice President Biden from hitting the magic 270. Alan Dershowitz, always great to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much. You can find Alan Dershowitz. Uh, he can follow him on Twitter at Alan Dersh, or you can uh, find him on The Dersh Show. Uh, that is a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, Alan Dershowitz. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. We go now to Mr. Elijah Schaefer, uh, who is, of course, part of uh, Blaze TV. He's the Blaze TV host of Slightly Offensive. Uh, and just slightly. I never saw I've never seen anything offensive at all. You know, from I, Elijah. I don't know why he keeps saying he's slightly offensive. Yeah, anyway, he was there at the uh, D.C. Million MAGA March, uh, and uh, he has this to report. Hello, Elijah. Hello, Glenn and Stu. How are you guys doing? Good. Are you still in D.C.? You know, I just got back to Dallas. Thank God. Okay. That is a, definitely a swamp, so I'm happy to be home. Yeah, good. So tell me about the march. You know, um, despite reports, I know when I woke up, there was already disinformation. People were taking pictures at 7 a.m. saying that there was a low turnout. <laughs> um, people were uploading black and white pictures uh, of Nazi Germany, saying that, you know, these were some, some low-res images of people gathering. Um, I mean, that was no shocker there. But by about 10 o'clock, you already saw maybe 10,000 or more people uh, gathering together. And the group had gotten so large that I didn't realize how big it was until... Not only could I not find my team, but uh, we couldn't even get hold of each other because cell service completely stopped working in the area. There were families, um, every type of group um, that was out there, despite reports, it was not full of militias and Proud Boys and different groups that they want to try to use to say that, that this, these are who were leading the event. Some, some of these people were there. There's no, I have no problem with them at all. Um, but this was 95 to 99% just families, people who love America, um, chanting uh, USA, waving American flags, giving a lot of love. There was every race, sexual orientation uh, there. This was, a, this was a, a, a march of unity, a march of love. And when they talk about a time to heal, these are the people that I would trust to do that. So um, we were just having a discussion, and the, the audience may be upset with me uh, because I believe marches are to change people's hearts. It's not for the individual to march. It's not for uh, anything else. It's to send a message. And you were sending a message of support to Donald Trump, but you're also sending a message to the American people. Now, whether they see that or not through the media doesn't matter. And we know that the media is is actually um, not a, not effective anymore. People are seeing through their lies um, and so when somebody is um, attacked, do you believe I believe it is absolutely their right to uh, defend themselves? But are you a more of a Martin Luther King guy or 
or not? No, I, you know, I know as, as a member of the press, I have to be a little bit more careful not to fight back because uh, when it comes to especially right-wing media, they want us to seem like we're violent or agitators. And so, you know, I, I try to de-escalate as much as possible, but it is, it is in the rights of, of Americans to defend themselves. And, and I will say this, you know, uh, earlier on in the day, I recorded multiple assaults. Um, you know, anti-Trump protesters were targeting individuals. I've actually recorded at least four arrests mm. of anti-Trump protesters. Uh, I what were they do? What were they doing, Elijah? Throwing, throwing water, uh, full water bottles at the heads of Trump supporters walking by, throwing rocks, projectiles, That's um, crazy. and in, including one individual who was, you know, he was a white liberal Biden supporter. This is how it always is. I mean, the, your your listeners know he was a white liberal Biden supporter. He had Biden, he was had anti-Trump signs talking about Biden, yelling insults and derogatory slurs at a first-generation Mexican. American immigrant woman, <laughs> um, you know, who she the world saying, is upside down, man. It is totally yeah. upside down. Well, yeah, and we, we know. And that's what I'm going to say. And I asked him, hey, man, so what are you out here doing? And he immediately assaulted me uh, by smashing his bicycle up against me and put, hitting me in the head with his you know, bike helmet on, uh, headbutting me. And I'm just going to say this. When the media says that the Trump supporters were inciting violence, I guess they meant asking people questions, walking down the street. I mean, at this point to the media, Trump supporters can do no right. Uh, and I think that's why they took matters into their own hands, because police, I, I'll tell you this, you know, with some connections in the police department, police were in some ways standing down. They were looking more for ways to cite or to keep uh, like a zero tolerance policy to keep Trump supporters in line. And I can definitely tell you the police were not helping Trump supporters who were getting attacked. In fact, when Trump supporters mm-hmm. would get surrounded by Black Lives Matter activists and Antifa, even when they were one half block away from their hotel, the police would block them and make them go back around through the lines of the anti-Trump protesters. The police were coercing uh, the, the Trump supporters into the, the line of attack. So if you're wow. put in that position where law enforcement isn't protecting you and you're forced to go through an area of antagonism, if you don't have the right to defend yourself, then what right do you have? Wow, that is that's really bad. That is really bad. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Elijah. All of his you, about all of his video, everything you can see it on Blaze TV or Blaze the Blaze dot com, uh, our news site, and I I urge you to uh, to watch it. It's an interesting uh, conversation going back to our previous one, because you you mentioned this here and I don't think you said this before. Is it morally justifiable for you to defend yourself when you're in the middle of a march and being attacked? It is my God given right Mm -hmm. to defend myself at all times. So you're I don't care if I standing next to the pope. The Pope starts to assault me. It's my God-given right to defend myself. And the Pope has a really nasty left uppercut. Have you <laughs> Man, ever seen have it? You ever oh seen, my gosh, yeah, this guy. Right? Oh, yeah. This um, guy's not only a socialist, but he's a fighter. <laughs> uh, as if those things are uh, more uh, in opposition <laughs> yes. to each yeah. other. Um, but, like, you're saying that it's not a moral, a question of moral justification. It's a question of the best strategy to, to, to accomplish your goals, um, when so you're look, if you're in the march, see, I even separate the people that he said as they were going to their hotels, police blocked them in. They needed to get through. They were being forced to go through a hostile crowd. Well, I don't recommend that you take them on, but, you know, I would do everything I could to escape 
But if you have to defend yourself there to get out, that's fine. But in the march, in the march, if somebody is doing something, you are part of a, a group that is trying to uh, have a well-crafted narrative. And that narrative is aimed right to that, that suburban woman who is seeing things go on in her area, believes the press, has no reason to doubt. You need the videos that, appe- that appeal to her where she sees the truth. How many times have you met somebody who said, you know, when, when the Kavanaugh thing happened, I started really paying attention and I started, I started doing my own homework and I started listening to other people. That's what a march is for, is to get them one image, one thing that makes them say, I wonder what this is about, because I don't think this is this isn't reflecting the violence that everybody is saying it is. That's what happened with BLM. The media was saying they're not violent. They're not violent. They're not violent. Well, everybody could see they were. As soon as the night went down, it was violence and they could see that. And so they started doing their own thinking and their own work that's the point of these marches the media is doing the opposite to these marches and to any trump supporter that they're doing to black lives matter the people saw for themselves and they refused to deny what their eyes told them so you need to be extraordinarily disciplined look this is not my strategy this is gandhi martin luther king And so it is morally absolutely right. And you're justified to defend yourself. You are. Somebody throwing rocks at your head? If you're in fear for your life or you're in danger, you have every right to defend yourself. Morally. I'm talking strategically. It's interesting because you can, I think, hear in Elijah him making that same choice in a different area. Because Elijah would be absolutely morally justified to fight back himself as a human being when he's attacked. But as he said, I have to be very careful about that because of conservative media and they will paint all conservative media members as hate-mongering, violent people if I do that. So he holds back and doesn't do that. The question is, I guess, whether if that's the message you're trying to send or not. Well, I'm not in charge of these marches. So, you know. I'm saying on a personal level, making that choice. Yeah. I I mean, if I were doing these marches, uh, I I would do what we did in, uh, in Birmingham. And everybody said, why are you doing this? We had you take the the pledge of nonviolence from Martin Luther King to march with us. I didn't do it because we were going to come under attack. I did it to start planting the seeds that that's the kind of discipline you're going to need in the future. And there, the, and here, and here we are. I want to make it really clear. We're trying to save the country, so we fight in the courts. We fight every legal means that we can possibly do. We uh, we fight online. We fight for our children in schools. We stand up. I am not saying that you become soft or you, you're not outspoken. You must be outspoken. You have to stand. You have to stand. There are no sidelines here. But a march is a strategic event. And you have to understand the strategy of what that's trying to do. 
that's one piece of a strategy to save your country. And if someone, if these, if, if Antifa came to my house and they were going to come to my house, uh, I'm going to use my God-given right because they're attacking my house. And if it means I go to jail like that couple in Georgia may go to jail, well, so be it. They had every right to stand. Was it Georgia? St. Louis. Louis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. St. Louis. Um, They had every right to stand in front of their house and say, get out of my property. You're climbing over the fence. We're in fear for our life. They had every right to defend themselves. You're threatening me and my house. You're threatening my country. I'm going to stand. You take my country. You take my country. I'm going to stand. It's true. You know, it's it's interesting because I think it is a difficult battle for people to wage because people will look at this and say, like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of I'm sick of people pushing me around. But if you look at like one of the probably the best, the, the, the most successful conservative sort of one of these stories that's worked out on the on the right side of truth here was probably Nicholas Sandman, right? I mean, to the, to the extent that he's extracted millions of dollars from major media organizations. And the reason was there was absolutely no doubt what he did was right mm-hmm. because he just stood there and he he took insults. People were people. I mean, remember, he, people were saying all sorts of terrible things about him. Guy getting in his face and he stood there without doing anything and that strategically strategically it was the right thing to do and i don't know in that moment i don't know what he was thinking but i mean he didn't he didn't cross that line it's a difficult it's a difficult balance because you know i mean as a human being you have those real emotions and those real those real battles i think internally oh how do you handle those because you're not going to be able to keep a, a, a giant group from having some people who break those 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 uh king did king king was able to, to but he had to largely do that he had he had marchers that were captains he had everybody yeah. broken down to like a certain number of people per captain and that captain marched with in the line with their with his you know 25 or 50 people and he was and that captain was stay in line stay in line stay in line as they were shouting things throwing things at them stay in line and it is only because they were willing to be, look, this didn't work in Germany because they lost their faith in Christ. The Judeo-Christian values were lost in Germany. And that's when you had Bonhoeffer stand up, who was a pacifist and a preacher, said that Jesus is the way to go. Gandhi is the way to go. But he changed because the people had lost Christ. We haven't lost Christ. Gandhi knew he was fighting against England and the Judeo-Christian world that understood the peacemaker. That's why he was successful. We're not in a position where we have lost the Judeo-Christian. We're close. We're headed in that direction. But we're not there yet. And that message will still work for that suburban woman who is frightened for her children, doesn't know who to trust. Give her some something and someone to trust. Na, na, na.